You're listening to Blood Moon Milk, and this is Aurora talking with Dr. Mary Kearns. It is Dr. Mary Kearns, correct? (laughs) Yeah, I usually forget about the doctor part, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, why don't you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Okay. Um, Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. I, I enjoy listening, so I was honored when you asked me to be on it. Oh, thank you. I met you and kind of discovered your work through a workshop that I attended at Minka in Brooklyn um, earlier this fall. And it was kind of a crazy story how we even ended up up there at that point in time. But I felt sort of, I guess, divinely guided to that workshop for a lack of a better term. It was a really incredible experience. And so that's what made me want to reach out to you. But really the workshop, and it was something that I'd been interested in, and it was all about exploring the Akashic realms. So yeah, introduce yourself. Yes. So um, I started my life as an artist. Um, I was an art undergrad, but very soon um, after doing graphic design for a couple of years, I realized that wasn't quit doing it for me and I started exploring what to do so I everything kept coming back to psychology and I really resisted that because I thought in terms of like psychotherapy and Freudian stuff and working with people to um, fix their problems Mm -hmm. but as I looked into it more I realized that there are a lot of different areas of psychology and I was really drawn to the idea of development developmental psychology which looks at um know what's right with us and how can we make our lives the best lives over time yeah. so i've done a program at Fordham university called applied lifespan developmental mm-hmm. where they focused on the biological and psychological and the social aspects of development from prenatally to death mm-hmm. and so the focus was on you know for any given point in your lifetime what leads to optimal development and i, I loved that um we didn't come approach it by looking at what's wrong with people, but what's right with you. And if something's going wrong in your life, where's the mismatch between what you need and what your environment's providing for you? Yeah. Yeah. And I I loved that. Um, We didn't spend a whole lot of time looking at psychotherapy, but the little bit that I did learn about Carl Jung, I just fell in love with his philosophy and all his ideas about archetypes and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. anima and animus and, um, the collective unconscious, especially, he just um, really spoke to me. Yeah, no, that's, I, I identify with your story in some really personal ways because I kind of have uh, a reverse story to you. Um, I was actually a psychology, a psychology major um, before I followed my path to art school. Oh, well. <laughs> so um, I, I didn't get as far as you because I, I, my path shifted, but um, I did a little bit of, I did biological aspects of behavioral psychology, which I found to be really interesting. It was all about the brain and how the brain mm-hmm. works. I also identify with having a love of Jungian psychiatry, psychology, excuse me. And um, also I find that archetypes in general are really helpful, um, especially when combined with astrology. Right. Because um, that's kind of what we're dealing with is like universal archetypes and finding different ways in which they kind of occur in people in the wild, so to speak. So it's it's also interesting to me that you you focused on birth to death and then you have then also in your in your I guess I wouldn't say it's like not your professional life because it is, but you're you've shifted focus a little bit and are focusing now on the time between lives with the Akashic Records work that you do, right? 
Right, right. Because I've come to see um, life and lives as a continuum. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess just uh, talking about the Akashics a little bit, my personal understanding of them is that they are an energetic imprint of all that has ever happened mm-hmm. um, throughout time and all that will happen. Because time's not linear, mm-hmm. there is a record of all all things and all actions, all people's stories. Um, and I think I see them as the same thing as um, Jung's collective unconscious too. I think they're just different names for the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we all have access to them um, through dream states or through meditation or um, very super relaxed state, like um, through hypnosis, mm-hmm. we can all access these stories um, to help us in our lives right now. Yeah. And I think it's a really cool thing um, because we can kind of pick and choose and look into these different time periods. Um, we can gather the wisdom of the ages. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I found your workshop to be, I, I was always really interested in the Akashic records and the idea behind it. So let's just for our listeners who might not be familiar with what the Akashic realm is, why don't you just define it and um, kind of give a brief overview and then maybe go into how you how you heard about it and got into it, got interested in it? Sure. Well, I've heard it described many different ways, but at the most basic level, the Akashic records are the um, energetic records or imprints of the history of all the people who've ever lived on this earth and ever will. Mm-hmm. Some people say it's all beings throughout all the universes too. It makes sense since everything's connected, why would it be just limited to Earth? I think most people yeah. think of it in terms of Earth stories because those are the ones that resonate with us most in this lifetime. And some people and people see them differently because it's energy when we access them either through meditation or through dreams or through hypnosis. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that past life regression is one way to access that too. The images come to us in a way that we're able to receive them. Mm -hmm. So some people see an actual library. Um, Some people just kind of get a sense of being somewhere and a sense of learning and knowing Mm -hmm. the stories they need to learn and know. Some people see geometric shapes. One person told me that they're in a physical place under the pyramids. I mean, it, they really can be anywhere. That's um, so interesting because so I'm, I'm happy to share my personal experience from your workshop. What I saw and experienced was very Egyptian. There, there were books like in the library, but there's also a lot of scrolls too. It was, it felt like I was in a place that seemed like ancient Egypt a whole lot. Um, mm-hmm. and it, so I'm not sure what that means or why that's like that, that, why that's what I experienced, but I found it to be really interesting. Well, I'm guessing it's a time period in a lifetime that, um, has a very strong message for you right now in your life. That's, um, when you go to visit the acoustic records, you'll get a glimpse of things, but then it takes time to process what it means. Um, you can meditate on it further. Mm-hmm. You can ask to go back um, to get more information. Yeah. I, I mean, like I, so part of the reason I wanted to start this podcast was because I'm pretty bad at being able to focus during meditation. And I like, this has kind of helped me to make myself more accountable 
mm-hmm. to, to do that. Um, but I still struggle with that for sure. But I do pretty well with like one-on-one guided meditations, which is especially when it's something that I haven't done before. If it's like doing the same kind of meditation over and over again, I, I like kind of I do better on my own. So I had one other Akashic Records session with someone else and on like a one-on-one basis. And what I saw was very, very different from what she said she saw. So the one thing that I really remembered um, from that previous session was seeing like seeing like a reflection of myself in all these different faces sort of flashing like frames of film like rolling but each frame was a different face a different lifetime a different body and it was a a ton of them like maybe like 300 or something like that and then it ended on this one face that at first I recognized it but I didn't know where it was from and then what I saw was it looks like that like Egyptian god uh Horus the bird you know yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and that was I was like it looked really lifelike and vivid. Like I could see um, iridescence on the feathers and and like very detailed in my mind's eye. Like you close your eyes and you're just looking at it. Like, but it, what you're looking at is a reflection of yourself. Wow. That's incredibly powerful. <laughs> but I, like, I, I don't really have any information other than like, I saw that. And then what, during your session, I don't know that I was trying to like, make any of my any preconceived notions about what this akashic records library would look like but when it turned out to be sort of egyptian i was like huh okay there's another piece of the puzzle (laughs) i don't know what it is but yeah and the the place you see the place that it it, um that that it takes form Mm -hmm. as yeah because it's different resonating with your your vibration right now yeah that's very powerful that you keep going back to there so so um, so i'm not if you if you want to read more about that that time period or again if when you're doing meditation and things just kind of asking for more information yeah Um, you don't have to do a full-blown akashic record journey every time you can just meditate on it yeah what am i what 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 am i supposed to learn from this so what do i need to know one thing that didn't even occur to me until later like much much later and this was even after your workshop my name was going to be horace in this life Wow. My wow. <laughs> my dad's name is Horace, my grandfather's name is Horace, and my great-grandfather's name is Horace. And if I had been born a boy, I would have been Horace the fourth. Wow. And I it like didn't even occur to me. I was just like, it's a bird dude. Like <laughs> um and so like that's kind of the end of where like not the end necessarily, but like the last sort of piece of the puzzle that I've I've sort of managed to garner from my Akashic Records journey but like I I'm curious to learn more and um also how did you sort of find out about it or hear about it or first sort of discover this practice well there was um a wellness center here about a mile from my house I never made it there before it closed down but when I was looking through their website the woman who owned it Bonita Woods had a series of videos from the different workshops she's held there. And mm-hmm. one of them was on the Akashic Records. So I dug around on her YouTube channel and found a guided meditation for the Akashic Records. And I was able to get in like right away. And That's it was awesome. so easy and so vivid. Um, and I did it a few more times. And then I 
she actually was holding a, um, an in-person workshop soon after that. So I took that mm-hmm. and um, just found it so fun. <laughs> I wasn't really thinking of the utility of it, how it might relate to my life right now. I just thought, wow, this is really fun. You can go on these journeys throughout time to all these different places. Yeah. Um, and um, But then as I looked into it more and um, thought about the implications for this lifetime, that's when I got really interested in it. Sure. And, yeah. Um, and, yeah. And I just found that for me, it was, I actually did find a library and um, some themes that came up that have been, I realized were themes throughout my life. So mm-hmm. these were things that I was aware of on some level since I was a child. Um, so to actually be able to visit the stories was, was fun. Yeah. Um, would you mind uh, sharing one of your stories? It doesn't, I mean, like whatever it is that you feel comfortable sharing, honestly, just to sort of highlight how um, it's been helpful on your journey. One was, um, actually, this one happened spontaneously during an energy healing I was receiving. Interesting. But I just, okay. I ended up in the Akashic Records. How, um, how cool. Yeah, it was very cool. I, I found myself seeing an image of my childhood home, which I recently just sold. And it was pretty emotional. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and I, I've always felt a real, even though I haven't lived there in a long time, I always felt a really deep connection to that area. And um, it's it's in the water, or near the water of the Long Island Sound. Mm-hmm. And um, my mother's family had a long history um, in, in this lifetime of being there. They've been there for almost 400 years. So wow. I was like the last one. Yeah. And I let it go. So I felt guilty and I felt like this longing for this home that I didn't have anymore. So anyway, in this healing, I saw the house and then it's, just started to dissolve away, like the image of it dissolved huh. away. And what was left were all these grasslands, like wetlands. Huh, yeah. And I saw this Native American man walking through the grasslands. Um, he was fishing. Mm. And then all of a sudden I was him. And I realized I was where the house is now, but probably five or 600 years ago. Wow. Before the settlers came. Yeah. And... Um, and I was just thinking what a, an abundant, wonderful place it was and how lucky I was to be in a place where we had all this fish and we had deer and we had great places to grow, grow things. And I realized that my connection went much deeper than this current house or even the last 400 years. It went way back. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, it's really comforting to know, okay, I don't have the house anymore, but I'll always have these memories and this, this connection. Yeah, that's so that brings up something I was I was reading about and maybe this will spark some sort of interest in you too. Um uh, I was reading about these guys in Japan who were doing um past life work with uh children who um I think they were born I want to say in the it was either the Philippines or Malaysia um right after World War II. And um I want to say it, like, okay, so here's where I embarrass myself by my sad lack of World War II Asian uh, history mm-hmm. uh, and that battle theater. But basically it boils down to there there were a lot of Japanese fighter pilot casualties in this area. And then um, there were a bunch of children born after the war who had um, a lot of very strong, vivid Japanese memories, but they were born in the land where they're 
pre-existing life had expired. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was like they were sort of their souls were sort of tied to this new place that they were like sort of alien in um, because their culture was back in Japan and they very, very much strongly identified with being Japanese. Uh-huh. Um, um, and they did this study where they took their these kids' photos and showed it to American Japanese individuals um, and asked like with uh, like and then with a control group, they were like, can you tell us which ones are the Japanese individuals and which ones aren't? And they were all from the same city. But the children that were picked out were the ones that had had Japanese memories from an earlier life. Oh. So, I, I mean, like, I wonder how I, – I, this is just me kind of talking off the top of my head, but, like, how land and our ties to the land um, affect us on uh, – and more than just, like, our – our journey in this life, but like through multiple lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I, I took the, a past life regression training with Dr. Brian Weiss mm-hmm. um, over the summer uh, at the Omega Institute. And he brought a few people up to the stage, volunteers to do regressions on them. And the first woman he worked with, I thought she was Japanese but it turned out she was Mexican. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But when he regressed her, she went back to Japan. And then afterwards I said, that was really interesting because I thought you were Japanese. And she said, yeah, people have always thought that (laughs) since I was a kid. Interesting. Um, And I've always had a real affinity for it. So yeah, it's, it's funny how that can come through. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, I've had, um, I've had people tell me that they think that I look Asian and I'm like, I'm not, not in this (laughs) lifetime. Um, I'm pretty white bread. Uh, unfortunately, I guess, I mean, I don't know. Um, very Anglo-Saxon European, but it's an interesting thing to hear because I'm curious. I'm like, what, what was I getting into before I was here? (laughs) Right. What are they seeing? (laughs) Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because we're always walking around and this life and this meat suit kind of, uh, very much absorbed with whatever it is that's going on in our immediate environment. And I think that's where meditation really plays a huge, hugely critical and beneficial role in things is to be able to step back from whatever things are like the little triggers that are flashing in our face constantly distracting us to seeing a bigger picture Mm -hmm. um, and being able to sort of disconnect from being so reactionary and instead being able to um, think of things in a broader scope, be calmer. um, And so I, I like, I'd like to bring up the idea of, it was something that I remember you saying in your workshop uh, that I thought was really interesting. And it was, something along the lines of like whether or not it matters if the Akashic records is quote unquote real or people Mm -hmm. think it's real. Um, Do you remember what you said or? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's the same. I have the same philosophy on 
anything having to do with the mind, the imagination, with meditation, guided meditation, mm-hmm. you know, visions. Um, it's kind of a moot point to talk about whether it's real or not. Sure. Like sometimes yeah. when you're meditating, you're like, oh, I put those thoughts in my head. Well, maybe you did, but they, if you did, they're coming to you at this moment for a reason. Yeah. It means that you're accessing something in your subconscious that is wiser than your your current state. <laughs> you know, you're tapping. When we meditate, we tap into the part of ourselves that's um, beyond, like you're, you were saying, the trappings of day to day and all the kind of mind shatter that yeah keeps us keeps us anxious and worried and depressed. Um, we all have that deep inner wisdom, and whether that deep inner wisdom is coming from ourselves or something greater, whether the Akashic records or something out there or something in our subconscious, it kind of doesn't matter in the end because it's all energy. We're just all energy, and when we access this wisdom, um, who cares where it's coming from Yeah, um, yeah. as long as we're accessing it? <laughs> I love that philosophy and I just wanted to give you the opportunity to kind of like quell any, any like questions out there. Cause I think a lot of people who might not be, um, familiar or I've, I've met a lot of, I mean, I live in the South and so there's a lot of, um, individuals here who have some sort of like, let's just say religious baggage, um, whether it's like Christianity or or something else that um, that dogma sort of prevents them from being open minded to anything slightly foreign or alien in their way of thinking that's not something they were brought up with and mm-hmm. they they have a I've had a lot of people ask me like how can I believe in quote unquote Jesus and astrology <laughs> and I'm like huh <laughs> I've never really like had to think about like how that would even be mutually exclusive because it just doesn't, that's just not something that I'm concerned with personally. And actually it's right there in the Bible, the version of the Bible that most people read Mm -hmm. that the three wise men who are actually um, magi, magi. Yeah. They read the stars. Yes. The chart said that there was going to be a very special individuals being born at a certain place on a certain day. And they followed that. Oh yeah. Guidance to go find out. So like astrology is in the new Testament. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was just like, well, uh, if I, I love that point, I'm going to use that. <laughs> in the <Yeah>. future. Um, <laughs> I, I was like, well, if you believe that Jesus has power, then what's the difference in believing that, uh, the ancients had people they believed in who also possessed powers. Like mm-hmm. really what's the difference? It's like, if you believe that's all that matters and if it's helping you and guiding you and it feels right, then that's, that's the important thing. If enough people raise their consciousness and begin to see that, that Absolutely. everything's connected, that everybody's connected, that we're all in this together, we're all in this big boat together, Yep. yep. then we, we have an opportunity to do some pretty amazing things. When you look at what individuals have done oh, yeah. over recorded or oral history, it's really amazing. And if enough people got together and um, did all those things together for the benefit of everyone, then we could be... We could be pretty fabulous, a pretty fabulous planet. Yeah, we really, there's a lot of potential here. I think we've, we're just still like 
riding the bike with the training wheels on and sort of (laughs) figuring things out as we go. But I I think that's where the Akashic Records can really benefit uh, people on a large scale, um, along with meditation and meditation of any kind, you know, um, I mean, the podcast is premised on the idea of using the stars as a free calendar of sorts to just check in with yourself about whatever it is that you want to manifest in your life Mm -hmm. Um, and using meditation as a tool to do that in in conjunction with the astrology. Right, right. Um, Yeah, that's great. um, But I think that Akashic Records goes like one step further and being able to possibly identify personal experiences that you've lived before that, that like would be so alien to your current existence that you then open that door to being able to recognize yourself and others. Mm-hmm. And it's also helpful for, like, you talked about things that trigger people, you know, people get angry about things or really upset, maybe blow things out of proportion. Of course I do it. I mean, I'm not perfect. Like I do it. Like everybody does. We do. Yeah. Yeah. And one one thing that you can get through the Akashic records or past life regressions is seeing how maybe a similar situation happened in the past Mm -hmm. that really was bad. Yeah. And right now you're seeing something that reminds you of it. That's not a big deal, but it's just bringing up those old feelings. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. That kind of jumps into the opportunity to do things like energy healing to your etheric body to where uh, those kinds of events aren't as triggering to you. If you, if you start on this journey of meditation, it's pretty incredible. Like things that you might discover about yourself that you never even knew or thought of as being potential problems for you, but you can find new unexpected ways of circumventing future frustration from those old wounds. Right. Exactly. Like I said, I'm not very good at maintaining focus on my own during meditation. I I'm sort of a product of cell phones, (laughs) like really breaking my, uh, my attention span. Um, it's pretty bad. One thing that I've been working on doing is trying to do, uh, more, uh, lucid dreaming Mm -hmm. to then access the Akashic records. And it's not always the most reliable way of doing it, but I, I think it can be a really immersive experience. Um, when, when it works, you know, right. when you get to do it. And I, I wanted to share like one story because you're into this stuff and you might find it interesting. Um, so I, I've i always had this sort of uh, habit of holding my left arm with my right arm. And I've never really questioned why I do that um, until one day I, I had a dream that um, was – very like vivid. It was so vivid. It was one, I, you know, one of those dreams where I'm like, I don't think this was a dream. I think I might've been like traveling on the astral plane, something akin to the Akashic records where you're, where it's so vivid and so real. It's almost more real than real life. Right. Um, and so in this scenario, I was like on another planet where there were these sort of like woolly mammoth kind of creatures. And it was definitely clear that they were 
sort of the boss of the planet, but they were benevolent overlords, if you will. Um, until some somebody like spooked one of these um, like baby woolly mammoth things, and it just went nuts, and um, it started a stampede. And they were trying to calm down this like baby woolly mammoth kind of creature. Um, I mean, even though it was a baby, it was still massive. And this thing, like, basically, it kind of trampled me in a way where, like, its tusk got lodged underneath a piece of jewelry and, like, pulled my arm out of socket and sort of just made it completely limp and useless mm-hmm. in this dream. And then I woke up the next day going, oh, my God, that's why I do that with my arm. Wow. <laughs> Like, I don't, I don't know how, like, I know it sounds sort of out there and far-fetched for sure, but my arm is perfectly fine in this life, but I still have this, like, some sort of, like, I would say energetic scar that makes me feel inclined to cradle it. And if, so if I have something like that, then I'm sure Lots of other people have similar sorts of things, if not as bad, then much worse. And I, th- yeah. I think yeah. that's another opportunity for the Akashic Records to help people identify old wounds and come to terms and help heal. Yeah. Um, in your case, you're saying in this life, you don't have any um, problems with that arm. You just have a tendency to hold it. But yeah, I've definitely heard a lot of stories of people who have like chronic pain or... Mm-hmm. Um, other things that are, are really uh, miserable that they can't seem to make go away using conventional medicine and yeah. by going back into the Akashic records, back into past lives, they're able to identify the source and heal it there so that um, coming back into this life, it usually goes away. I'm curious, do you have any uh, interesting stories about that that you might be able to share a little bit more detail about? And, you know, no na- no need to name names or anything like that. But just... <laughs> well, I haven't heard, I haven't personally worked with anyone um, who's experienced that. I I don't do readings for people. My, my thing is teaching people how to go there themselves because mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier that you had a reading and the person saw... Um, your experience very differently through her eyes, through her yeah, mind. Yeah. And I think one of the things about having someone else do a reading for you is they're putting their interpretation on it. Mm. And it's the case with any, any reading they're fun and they can be informative, but you do have to keep in mind that there's a, it's coming through a filter. Sure. Yeah. That's a great and, point. Yeah. And when it's in your own mind, it's, it's your truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so I just, I teach the class, but I don't do the readings. Uh, I had, an interesting story about an energy healing I did. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Sure. I So I've been a Reiki practitioner since 2005, um, and I I did it for several years. I guess I practiced until 2011 and then had an experience where um, I was called in to do a reading for a woman who was in an ICU. She wow. was in a coma. Yeah. And um, her family wanted me to work on her. And I did. And she um, communicated to me in a way that no one else before had very strongly that she was not coming back, Mm. that she planned to move on. And she kept saying, rise up to me. 
And um, it was really, for some reason, I found it really devastating. And I had trouble keeping it together, trying to talk to the family and not, yeah. I didn't want to tell them she's not coming back. But I said, she kept saying, rise up. Do you, does that mean anything to you? And they all kind of like nodded their heads and um, got teary. But I felt like I was more of a mess than they were. And it was really unprofessional of me. Well, so I, I, I mean, I, I kind of want to defend you a little bit because you, what you're experiencing is this, the energy of someone who is dying, which is one of the most intense things anybody can experience. And especially when it's, they're not your feelings, you know, right. That's really a, a brave and admirable thing that you, it was a, a wonderful service. I'm sure, like that you provided. Yeah. I used to work in a volunteer in a hospital at that time, working with people who are undergoing cancer treatment and their caregivers. And I thought I was, I was used to that and could handle the emotions, but I realized I needed to do some work to protect myself to, yeah, to yeah. not take it on, to let it flow through rather than absorbing it. So I took like a six year hiatus, <laughs> 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 but, um, then last year, uh, a friend or acquaintance posted on Facebook that her daughter was in the hospital with some unknown illness. She'd been sick for four days and they were doing all these tests and she had a very high fever that wouldn't go away no matter what they used an extreme headache. Um, so I said, I, I'd be happy to come and do Reiki. And again, I hadn't been in the hospital doing Reiki in six years because what had happened, but I, in the meantime, I had done a lot of work on myself, Good, yeah. like really learning a lot more about grounding, learning a lot more about letting the energy flow through. Mm -hmm. So I thought I was ready. And, um, so I got there and um, just found out, you know, that they, they thought maybe she had meningitis, but the tests were coming back negative. They tested her for Lyme. And it wasn't that. It was just this really strange but powerful yeah. illness. And um, so I went in and started doing Reiki on her. And as I was doing the Reiki, um, with Reiki, you hold your hands above the different chakras. Mm -hmm. yep. She she was asleep when I was doing this, but she, something was telling me I couldn't go near her um, root chakra. And um, when I went back up to the top to scan again, and um, I felt over her heart, this kind of heartbrokenness, this oh. deep pain in her heart. Yeah. And um, for the first time, I don't know why it had never occurred to me before. I, went up to my higher self and started talking to her higher self. You know, that part of you that I was saying before yeah, has all the knowledge, all the wisdom that's not cluttered with day-to-day -day stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I got the sense that something had really traumatized her, that her heart had been broken in a way that she didn't want to live anymore. She, her higher self was telling me that this girl who's 15 just wanted to die. Oh, and so sad. that's why she wasn't getting better. At the end, I whispered to the girl that, you know, you're loved, you're, you're needed here. You're like an amazing individual because she is, she's so sweet. Mm. Um, you know, we need you here right now more than ever. The world needs you. And then I went out to talk to her mom and I told her what had happened. And the mother started crying and she told me that this girl had been raped. Oh, gosh. Uh, like three months earlier and that they were about to go to trial against the guy, the perpetrator. And she was so afraid because 
um, it's where they live. They, yeah. The courts make you be in the room with the person that let, raped you. <laughs> oh, and, I, that's yeah, awful. What, like, that, that's, uh, God, I hate this country sometimes. Yeah, it, uh, in other countries, that's not the case, especially yeah. with a minor. Yeah, that's awful. That is so traumatizing. And talk about, it's like adding salt to the wound, you know, and making it even more complicated and dragging it out. Like The healing process becomes that much more complicated. Right, right. And the fact that she's kind of going to have to defend herself, which she shouldn't have to do. No. So, so she was feeling, I, I I gathered from that, she must have been feeling really hopeless. Oh, that poor girl. I'm so, yeah. I'm so sorry on her behalf. That's a very powerful, horrible thing to have to go through. It was, it was, and it was coming up soon from there. So she didn't want to have to face it or have to live through it again. Cause it'd be like reliving the horrible experience all over again. Right. Opening up the wounds again. Yeah. And, um, so I, yeah. So I told her mother, you know, I think the most important thing right now is to let her know that she is so loved and that she's so important and that we need her here and that everybody's rooting for her and everybody's there to support her. And, um, I, I touched base with the mom that evening and her fever had finally gone away. So I came back uh, two days later to work on her again and um, her headaches had gone away and everything and, and they let her go that day. So wow. she healed herself. Um, they weren't, they still weren't sure what had been happening, but it went away and that's all that mattered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. yeah, and she did end up going to court and got the guy convicted, so that was great. Good. You know, I, I'd be so uh, interested in, and intrigued by, I mean, I wonder if there's there's got to be karmic stuff between them, I, w- mm-hmm. I would imagine, you know, like, like I, I find those stories so interesting and revealing, but I'm glad to hear she's doing better. And uh, I hope she's gone on to live a happy, productive life and has healed from the that awful experience. Yeah, I still process. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but she's he, she's still in the world doing good things, and I she's one of those people who just is such a light. Mm. You know, you um, yeah. you know, just her being around makes the world a better place. So yeah, you know, I um I think the last couple of years um and especially this year, there have been kind of a spate of uh, people who are like that, people who are really beacons of hope and joy, who have just fallen into despair and uh, have no longer have had no longer had the will to live. Mm. And um, it's so shocking and sad when you see somebody like Anthony Bourdain, um, like what's happened with them. And I've had friends in my own personal life who have taken their lives recently. And, um, and you, it really hurts and sucks when you see somebody who seemingly has it all together on the outside going through something so personal and you, you just have no idea about it. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, there are coming energy shifts that, like make that sort of stop happening so much um, and give people, especially victims of crime or people who don't have their stuff together, a fighting chance. 
Um, and I think it kind of all comes back to being able to see yourself in somebody else. Um, when you can do that, you have no desire to cause harm to another individual because you would be doing the same thing to yourself, essentially. Right, right. That that unity consciousness. Yeah, that yeah. Knowing that we're all part of, that we're all connected um, will, will make such a big difference. And I think that also gives people a, a bigger perspective too, so that if they're feeling suicidal, they see would see how their absence would affect so many other people. Yeah, um, yeah. Like that Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful <laughs> Life. <laughs> Absolutely. Or, um, yeah, no, that one's so good. And such uh, Jamie, Jimmy Stewart is yeah, such it's a poignant. Yeah, I know it's a classic for a reason. Right. Um, so that kind of also ties into, you mentioned something about doing some traveling to do some, uh, to look at some, some geological formations and healing of the planet. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? That sounds really interesting. Oh, sure. Yes. On a brighter note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I have been getting in my meditations, these images of rocks and crystals and things for about a year and a half now. And in talking to different people who are kind of visionary, they've all said they see me working with crystal grids or something. Uh-huh. And, interesting. Um, a couple of months ago, I took this course with a woman named Anna Jones who did an eight-week class on the Magdalene energies. Huh. Um, we did some great guided journeys, and I had a really powerful one um, where I found myself on this rock cliff looking out over a a stormy gray ocean. And as I stepped back, I realized the rock cliff I was standing on, it was covered in green grass and moss, but edged with these pointy stones that looked like people had placed them there very um, consciously. Uh Um, And when I turned around, there was a big triangular stone with rocks jutting out of it, similar, like echoing the pattern of the rocks on the ground. Yeah. And I know um, it sounds weird, but I kind of can see it in my mind's eye, sort of like, yeah. like a pyramid with tiny or pyramids on it, sort of. Yeah. Like. But as I stepped, as I zoomed back, I could see from the side that it looked like a dragon's jaw. How interesting. Yeah. And I was like, she was like, when I told her about this afterwards, she said, that is so full of symbolism. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Do you have yeah. any, so you're actually taking a trip though. Like, where are you traveling to? Well, I've been um, meditating on it and just seeing pictures of different places. And so um, in thinking about it, she pointed out, well, it sounds like the that one one part of the vision, it was intentionally placed rocks. So I was thinking like um, Stonehenge, Karnak, to different places in Scotland and Ireland, mm-hmm. the different henges yeah. um, and calendars. I found out that in New England, there are several places like that, too. Um, and in the southwest, of course, there are medicine wheels and other structures that have been created by people too. Yeah, yeah. There's for a, a for lot different of, purposes, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of vortexes out in out in the out west. Right, right. And so um, my my it started coming to me that I'm supposed to visit these different places, but I'm also supposed to create structures of some sort, just small ones to help. I didn't know why. But then um, a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, I was at an event in D.C. and there was a man talking about um, 
the sentience of rocks. He just finished a degree in applied neuroscience at MIT, and he said some of the geologists and other scientists were t- starting to talk about sentience of rocks. I love and, that. Yeah, I you know I love that too. It's like ancient cultures have said that for a long time, and now science is catching up. Yeah. But he pointed out that it's it's it makes a lot of sense because you know 100 years ago Tesla came up with a quartz radio that could take in information and then send it out. So we know crystals can hold information and transmit that information. Oh, of course. I mean, there's a reason why we use crystals in computers and cell phones and all kinds of exactly ad- yeah <laughs> modern advanced technology. But most people don't realize that yeah, there's crystals at work in those things. Exactly. Yeah, we're surrounded by them all the time, and we don't realize like how important they are <laughs> yeah and so in hearing this i was like okay well that makes sense as to why i would be creating these grids mm-hmm. um in these places because it's help helping send energy and if i send intention into it it will send it through um so i'll be going around doing that um, that's very cool places. yeah and I had no idea where to start, so I, someone said, well, just start planning and it'll fall into place. So I went online, um, started with the places I had seen in my visions, and came across um, a trip to Scotland that was going to exactly the places that I wanted to go. Perfect. And I thought it'd be easy, since I've never been there before, to hop on with someone else's <laughs> tour. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but most tours are kind of corny, and I don't like having to go at other people's paces. So I wrote to the guy and said, I'm, I'm interested in learning more about what you're doing. And he, he wrote back and said, how did you find out about this? I, I generally don't advertise this trip to people who haven't gone on my other trips or to my trainings. And yeah. Oh, it was on this other website. He said, oh, that's interesting because I've worked with them, but I definitely didn't advertise my trip with them because I'm full. It's full. Oh, yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, well, do you have a waiting list? And he said, sure, there's there's a couple um, on the waiting list. So once I find out if they're going or not, I know there, there was like um, one space that he was holding two for them. Yeah. Uh, two days later, he wrote back and said that they had dropped out and that I could join them. And when he sent me the information, it turned out to be a planetary healing trip. <laughs> what? That's, yeah. see? Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah, I'm trying to just go with the flow now and take all, like, pay attention to the synchronicities and yeah. second guess everything. Because I have a tendency to over-intellectualize stuff sometimes. <laughs> oh, I, I have the same the same problem especially when there's something that I really want to do I get kind of I I certainly have um some slightly obsessive behavior patterns that I have to like learn to quiet and meditation really helps doing that um but uh I I love being able to identify our flaws and look for ways to fix them or work with them so that they're like an aid to our journey and versus being something we have to carry around like a burden. Um, Mm -hmm. But that trip sounds really exciting and you're going to love Scotland. um, As long as you stay warm, it gets really cold up there depending on the time of year you go. (laughs) Yeah. I don't mind the cold. I I love sweaters and boots. So layering is, is good. And uh, Scotland's always been on my list of places. I, I wanted to go. It's always been calling to me all my life. That's awesome. I've only gotten to go once, and I would love to go back in the summertime because I went uh, 
for uh, I was up there for two weeks once in college, right around Christmas and New Year's, and uh, it was kind of a Dickensian visit because the entire time I was there, I, I only had um, twenty pounds to spend <laughs> to, to my name. Uh, I had my plane ticket and everything paid for, but uh, that was that's like trying to live off twenty bucks for two weeks. Um, right. And it sucked. <laughs> but <laughs> Scotland was beautiful. I was just very poor. <laughs> um, but it, it was a it was a it was a cool trip. Um, there's so much natural beauty there and a lot of history of magic and um, sort of practices that work with the natural cycles of the earth. I think that it's a great place to start your journey. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, thanks. Um, I'm glad you've been there, and I hope you get back soon. Yeah, I'd love to go. I I want to go back to England on a regular basis if I can. Try, I want to figure out a way to do workshops over there, um, to do like astrology workshops or create like using create uh, using astrology to enhance your creativity specifically mm-hmm. um, as a as a workshop, and because I. I went to school there and I lived there for four years and there's definitely a part of me that still belongs there. Right. For sure. But, um, I don't like have a legit reason to go other than just to visit friends at the moment. So if I, if I could figure out a way to organize a workshop, then I could, I would be there in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. So if there's any listeners in the UK, feel free to reach out to me. Great. <laughs> yeah. And also, to, yeah. And also to you, um, like let our listeners know where they can find you or reach out to you, follow you, all that good stuff. If they're interested in knowing more about Dr. Mary Kearns. Great. Well, sure. Um, I, um, on social media, I'm at your stellar self. Um, so on Instagram, Facebook, um, and, uh, I have a website yourself, your stellar self.com. Yeah. And are you going to be um, chronicling your work with um, your rock grid in planetary healing work at all? Yes, I have um, a URL and a WordPress template, but nothing on it yet. But it's called your, uh, sorry, Sacred Stone Journeys. Oh, cool. Well, let me know when you've got something up there and I'll be happy to share it. Oh, great. Thank you. Yeah, yeah it, I'm hoping to have at least some stuff seated within the next week or two on that site because my travels won't start until next spring. Yeah. Um, That's a much better time to go up there uh, (laughs) than the winter time. Uh, So if you're going in springtime, it's going to be a beautiful trip. It's uh, one of these areas of the world that has really extreme daylight fluctuations based on the seasons mm-hmm. um so uh, like at christmas time it gets dark at like three in the afternoon um but in the summertime it's, it stays light until like 11 o'clock at night so you'll have really nice sunshiny or at least long days hopefully when you're there that sounds great <laughs> yeah you're gonna love it and let's see i want to have i have a couple of workshops coming up in january um yeah, and just, I guess for, we didn't say this earlier, but um, you're my first long-distance interviewee. You're actually in Connecticut, is that correct? Um, I'm in um, Falls Church, Virginia, which is right outside of D.C. Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought you were in Connecticut for some Sometimes reason. Sometimes I am. <laughs> okay. I think maybe when I was in New York, you were state, you had to take a train back to Connecticut. 
Right. Yes. That's probably why I thought that. But okay. So DC, that's not, um, that's a little bit closer, but, uh, but still I'm in Atlanta. She's in DC or in Virginia. So um, if the audio sounds different this time, that's why. Right. And hopefully this, this will work out. Yeah, it is. um, It's nice doing stuff in person, but it's really amazing how you can talk with people all around the world these days. Oh, yeah. So easily. Yeah. I would love to um, get together with you in person again one of these days. um, If our schedules could mesh, figure that out somehow. Um, But, you know, in the meantime, got to use the the tools that we have to our advantage um, to accomplish the work that we feel called to do. Um, and I was just so inspired and I, like the way I found your workshop was just so kismet as well. Um, you know, it was like one of those little winks and nods from the universe. Like, yep, you're supposed to be here. You're supposed to be doing that. Like you're on the right path kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was in New York for, a com- I had a ticket, uh, to go up to work on a documentary that I was working on earlier this year that um, the project ended up falling apart for various reasons, but I still had a ticket. I wanted to kind of just go and be a tourist and see friends and do fun stuff since I didn't have to work. Um, and I was really interested in the Akashic Records. And a friend of mine actually suggested just to check out Minka in Brooklyn while I was there. And your workshop was that Friday night, which I was like, how the hell is it that the one night that I'm here that I can do something, it's an Akashic Records workshop. <laughs> um, and it was so cool. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I hope other people, I don't know if other people, I don't, I never know what other people think or experience, but I certainly got a lot about it, a lot out of it and wanted just to connect with you and let you know that and, um, help promote the interesting work that you do. Um, you have such a calm and, uh, kind and, uh, peaceful energy about you that really is about, um, facilitating the growth and healing of other people. That's just really authentic and rare to come across. Oh, thank you for your kind words. I'm so glad that you enjoyed the workshop. Um, I love sharing these experiences with other people and, um, like I said, helping, helping other people find their own journey. It's, it's great. And that's, that is such an amazing story too, about how you found it. I love that. Um, oh, I wanted to mention, I had told you this briefly after the workshop, but I had heard you talking to one of the other participants about your blog. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned that you were going to have this amazing psychic on. And I had this like moment of, wait a minute, she lives in Atlanta. I wonder. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> I went up to you and I said, I overheard you. Is a woman that you're interviewing perhaps like a tall woman with blonde hair? And you're like, yeah. And <laughs> Is it Lee Morgan? And you said, yeah. And um, <laughs> it turned out that I had sat next to Lee a couple of weeks earlier at the past life regression training in Rhinebeck, New York. <laughs> That's and, um, yeah. That's so interesting. She's. I think she's doing uh, past life regressions now. Nice. Um, okay. Um, I haven't had that. I, ha- I haven't had a session with her, but I'd I'd like to in the near future, because um, mm-hmm. I I think all of this stuff is interconnected, you know. And um, when you can tap into it, there's a a wellspring of understanding and uh but also like creativity and healing that is available 
if you're willing to kind of go spelunking in those inner depths of things that we might not see on the surface, but really do have deep meaning inside. Right. Yeah. When I was up at Rhinebeck, I was staying with uh, my cousin who is, um, she works at the Omega Institute, but she's also an amazing artist. And um, one day we had done one of the meditations we had done with Brian Weiss. um, I found myself not in a past life, but in a place I called the in-between place, which was just um, a realm of colors and some geometric forms like in light. Yeah. And the next morning I um, was looking for my cousin and she was doing some paintings, a series of paintings and when I looked at them, they were the images that I had been seeing oh my God. in my meditation. And I asked her what they were. And she said, I don't know. They're just, she said, for lack of a better word, I've just been channeling them. Yeah. Then I told her what had, uh, what I had seen and that they were the, some of them were exactly the same pattern. And she said, Oh, I guess I'll call this the in-between place. <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting. Um, one of the first things that uh, I, before I did your workshop, um, I did some Akashic records meditations on my own, um, Mm -hmm. which is kind of why I was so sort of like gobsmacked when I found your workshop, because it's (laughs) kind of a relative, like a relatively random thing to find, um, uh, just happenstance, I guess. But, uh, so one of the things that I saw, one of the first things that I saw, it wasn't so much like the, the library or anything like that. It was just simply a Star of David and light, um, sort of just being drawn over and over again. Mm-hmm. And um, I was doing. I you mentioned you might have listened to my last episode, but I was doing some research about Jupiter, mm-hmm. and. Um, the Star of David factors heavily into Jupiter's orbital patterns. Right. That's yeah. amazing. Which is like, oh, of course it does. I mean, it's like it has to do with these this group of asteroids that orbit with it in conjunction with Earth's orbit around the sun. Um, mm-hmm. But when they are all mapped out together, they form a, like a Star of David that repeats three times. Wow. Um, which I was... For me, I was just like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know. It was just this sort of um, uh, intense feeling of like, I don't know, universal connectedness for lack of a better word. Um, And then, yeah, I don't don't know. I think I might have had a past life where I was a Jewish priest or something. I think I have a lot of. I don't, I don't know why, but I have a lot of comfort around the Jewish faith. Um, I've, I've, I'm not Jewish in this life, but I've always felt like I've had a lot of Jewish friends and I've always felt more comfortable with them and their uh, holidays and their their rituals and their habits than I have with like anything Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so I don't know. One of those weird things that you can't really explain. People give you a side eye if you if they're not into this stuff. If you start to talk about it, but <laughs> yeah, there have always been people who have had affinities for other times and cultures, though. You know, um, there yeah. are people that like love cosplay, and they're not Japanese. 
<laughs> sure, or yeah. There are people who are reenactors who love dressing up from different wars and mm. pretending they're there. It's yeah. I, I'm guessing this is all related somehow. Probably. I, I want to find out more. I need to do more work um, on myself to figure out what it is. And I don't know if, you know, like, I don't know if that's even my purpose in this life is to figure it out because I'm here to live this life, whatever that's going to be. Right. But I'm still intrigued. <laughs> yeah. And there could be some clue, the the Jupiter transits and the that first image of the um, Star of David, that those could be clues as to something yeah. that you need right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, uh, Jupiter just entered Sagittarius for the first time in 13 years. And the last time it was uh, aligned with the sun in Sagittarius was actually when it was uh, in a good aspect was more than 24 years ago. Um, so the last time it came around, it was Jupiter was actually in retrograde. So it like Sagittarius sort of missed out on any of Jupiter's gifts, which there are many. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm hoping that for all the fellow Sagittariuses out there that we're going to get like a real boost to this next year. And right. it's, it's a transit that lasts for about 13 months. Um, so there's plenty of time to take advantage of it, but I feel like, Jupiter being this the great benefic of the universe has to kind of make up a little bit for not being there for us the last time it was around. Um, so I'm, I'm really like crossing my fingers for some great, great stuff happening this next year. I, I'm ready. I'm ready for good things. Yeah, I've, uh, I feel like the energy is shifting already that, you know, that things are starting to turn around. Yeah, I feel like this new moon um, in Sagittarius, which is actually happening tomorrow, um, this episode won't air until the full moon in Cancer in December, Um, but I'm hoping that in hindsight, when this airs, we can look back and be like, yes, since the new moon, we can see increased good things happening in our lives because Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter, so when the moon hits that sign it sets off a six-month pattern of new growth and new bounty. Um, so really crossing my fingers that with this this new moon in particular this year that we've got some really good things cooking for next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. That's great. <laughs> yeah. And so like that's, that's sort of my whole thing is just being able to look for patterns and align your projects and your self-reflection on with those – with those energetic patterns to get the most oomph out of your projects. Um, and it's really is something that everybody could do for free if, if they wanted to, you know, which is why the pod, the podcast is free, but I think it's, uh, it goes well with what you do. And, um, you know, we're, I think we're kind of on similar parallel paths where we're working to increase the consciousness through self-reflection and understanding the universe a little bit more through our understanding ourselves. Um, and I, I want to thank you for your time today and just all your wealth of knowledge and your support and everything. You, I, I hope that we get to have many more conversations in the future. Oh, definitely. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thanks again so much for um, inviting me to be on your podcast. It, you're doing some great things and it's, it's so positive and it's, I'm sure that 
it's helping a lot of people um, see the bigger picture. Oh, thank you so much. That's really nice to hear. I sometimes I get uh, it's kind of lonely sitting in the blanket fort writing the stuff, talking to a microphone by yourself. So it's really nice to have a conversation with somebody um, when I get to do that for the podcast. So thank you so much to Dr. Mary Kearns for being with us on the show today. You can find out more at bloodmoonmilk.com. And I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks. <laughs>